Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Good afternoon to you. This is The Call. It's really nice to be here with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We will be covering 10 stocks in depth, all picked by you with my two expert guests over the course of the next 60 minutes or so. So sorry for being a little bit tardy here today. I was worth the wait, though. We've got Daniel Ortiz from The Stock Doctor joining us remotely from Melbourne. And we've got Rudy Filipek van Dyke joining us here in studio from FN Arena. Rudy, good afternoon. How are you? Remotely at arm's length. Yeah, no, those days are over. Thank you very much. Um, you good? How Absolutely. Your, yeah. How are your portfolio going? Not too bad. Yeah. But I mean, market in general is not going uh, no. many places. But I do know that you're a prolific tweeter about ResMed <laughs> and uh, all of the various moves being made in relation to that company yes. because you, you, you know, you yeah, think that yeah, there's yeah. a bargain I'm, I'm, out there. I have been a long-term uh, shareholder. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty these days. Um, I don't think anyone knows exactly the the answers to all the questions that uh, that are now arising. But um, um, I was yesterday at an event, and um, it, there was almost unanimous agreement between the the fund managers who were present that um, it's starting to look like exceptionally good value. Uh, I guess there's a price for everything, and mm -hmm. um, uh, 30% and falling every day, it's not something that we usually see with companies of the caliber of, of, of ResMed, but, but it's anyone's guess where this process will take the share price. I mean, it's, at this point in time, it's all about um, questions, sentiment, trends, and, and, and little to no answers yet. Got it. Now, uh, Daniel. One of the sector I've been noticing has come under a lot of review at some of the major broking houses and investment banks is gold. Uh, you know, upping forecasts for the price of gold going forward, talking about opportunity in Aussie gold miners in particular as they potentially manage costs a little better along with production. What's your sense on gold? Yeah, I think gold is still a bit of a difficult space, Nadine. I think I've spoken, you know, a few times about the difficulties faced in operations, particularly amongst the Aussie majors, who have gone and made acquisitions overseas, and it really just hasn't played out well uh, in their favour at all. So it's difficult from an equity point of view um, to p pick and position, you know, which companies you'd like to be exposed to. And a lot of those mid tiers who are facing significant cost pressures, you know, they're probably starting to see um, a bit better cash flow performances. So there's interesting opportunities, but for our money, you know. We're not really looking at the majors. We're probably looking at more intermediaries and even some probably ones, you know, recently coming in production the last few years as opportunities because they have a bit more leverage to the gold price there. All right, I will do a shameless plug for a virtual investor event that we're holding tomorrow on this very topic, gold. It's called Gold Rush. All you have to do is go to osbiz.co forward slash gold rush. It's free. You can watch it live or on demand. And we'll be talking about gold, the future of it, and stock picks in that space. All right, let's get to our, well, a bit of a review of what we're going to be talking about. Clarity Pharmaceuticals, 
It's one of the only sort of smaller companies on this list, at least. We'll also be talking about CSL, ANZ, Telstra, and Wise Tech Global. But listen, I picked stock of the day, Monadelphus. It has secured what it calls a major contract with Liontown Resources. It's a $100 million contract set over a nine-month period that will see the engineering and construction company begin a critical path for wet plants on Liontown's flagship Kathleen Valley Lithium Project. Um, just a reminder, earlier this week, the company got a buy recommendation from Citi. Uh, and so, what do our panelists say? Is it a buy? Is it a hold? Is it a sell? Daniel, I'll start with you on this one because yeah, it just seems like the headline, major contract secured, has popped up in a lot of ASX announcements from Monadelphus <laughs> as of late. Um, what do you make of the company? Yeah, so certainly it's it's in a, in a great environment. You know, the business obviously has transformed over the last probably 10, 15 years. It used to be more construction work. Now it is kind of more diversified in engineering options uh, and more maintenance and services work as well, which is higher margin. It's more recurring. They're, they're the better contracts to win. Um, so this contract, you know, probably going to be, as you'd expect, that, that lower margin um, construction development work at Kathleen Valley. Uh, and hence, you know, the, the share price hasn't really reacted too aggressively today, you know, for a company of Monadelphus's size and the work it does, you know, probably wouldn't consider it a major contract, um, but certainly does help in the pipeline. I think expectations for that have been built in though, Nadine. The stock's obviously, you know, done relatively well over the past year or two. You know, if we look at one thematic from miners this reporting season was that capex budgets were, were well above expected and going forward it looks like that's going to be the case so you'd expect monodelphus to benefit but we probably think that's in the price already i think there's other opportunities out there in adjacent sectors um particularly in some of the small caps you know look relatively interesting so you know we'd be happy to, to give this one a bit of a miss or an avoid um you know i think there's other opportunities to play the space but certainly can see the value proposition here going forward with those capex budgets well like what okay you don't you don't get to come on and talk about <laughs> small caps and adjacent or doing similar things and not mention at least one name yeah, look, I think one that had a great report and it's had a few years of good reporting now is XRF Scientific. And, you know, it's not so much in the construction space, but they offer consumables and, and capital equipment more in the exploration and uh, and um, and test analysis, the core logging analysis there. And it looks like they're being able to grow, you know, Obviously, exploration has been a tailwind for them, but uh, you know, market share gains and, and price rises through the consumable segment looks quite attractive. And you know, the company's rightly had a pretty big re-rate here, but we still think that's a lot more of an interesting opportunity than something, say, Monadelphus, which really, Nadine, it's the default way to play the sector. You know, if you talk to a fundy, if they want to play the sector, they'll buy Monadelphus. So it can, it can be a bit of that crowded trade. Thank you, Daniel, Rudy. Crowded trade in the price. How do you rate Monadelphus? The brokers, you know, Macquarie recently upgraded it to outperform. We mentioned that buy from City, otherwise pretty neutral. Um, I'm not as negative as, as Dan Daniel is, but I agree that the reason why the share price uh, has performed quite well over the past few weeks is that if, if, if August brought uh, one message to investors is that sector is probably looking towards more contracts coming. Um, it's, a, it's an extremely cyclical sector. Um, if there's one sector to, to pinpoint at the stock exchange that has had a lot of disasters over the past years, apart from retail, it is uh, this sector, it's the contractors. I mean, 
Uh, some of them actually do go out of business, which, which share price is worth nothing. Um, but out of August, this is one of the sectors that, that analysts are looking towards. And it's not what it's in the numbers right now, it's what will be in the numbers by this time next year and maybe in 25. Um, so contracts are being rewarded. Uh, the reason why the larger players play Monodelphus is because it's, it's sort of regarded as the leader of the pack. Um, if there are contracts out there, it's always being seen as it will get its share at the very least. And so those contracts will, will, will come its way. Like today, we had one uh, not that long ago as well. And if you own the stock today, you're obviously counting on the fact there will be more. And that's why you own the stock. So that's why I'm not as negative as, as Daniel is. Um, having said so, um, I did, after reporting season, have, have a good look at, at, at the sector. And there's many other shares where, there, where there's nothing priced in, in terms of contracts. So analysts and investors are obviously not that confident. But that means that if a contract falls their, their, their way, then Sherpa's response mm-hmm. can be quite violent. Then we can be, it can be quite massive. Mm-hmm. So I guess it, it all depends on your risk appetite now and on how well you know the, 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 the subsequent companies. Because there's easily two dozen, maybe three dozen companies that fall in this sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all predominantly of, of smaller size. Um, if you want to go uh, bigger sized, I think Worley is on many people's um, wish list. Worley? Worley, yes. Um, it, admittedly, more energy and energy transition uh-huh. oriented, but still similar uh, sector. And of course, uh, uh, Seven. Seven Group, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Main, but it's, uh, it's not quite the same. It's not a pure play, mm-hmm. but it's a much larger company and it's the same thematic. I mean, it's yeah. basically the resources industries spending money and it comes their way. But for good old MND, Monodelphus, you'd be holding it, not taking yes. profits yes. Um, because yes. of that pipeline that you're because talking about exactly. going forward. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Let's get to the companies that have been nominated by our viewers. And this is the first one coming from Greg, and it is Clarity Pharmaceuticals, CU6. Rudy, I might start with you on this one. Bell Potter has a specy buy on this. Yes. It's beginning a phase three trial of and a prostate. Is, yes, and that is probably what you need to know. Specy buy, yeah, uh, which is exactly what it is. I mean, it's not um, like the difference with with a monodelphus and with this is that you you can invest in what is yet unknown, but there's a more reasonable chance that what is what is yet unknown will fall into monodelphus's lap, and so there's a let's call it a calculated risk. With a biotech of this small size, um, the share price moves on on these market announcements, but then usually it peters out after a while and there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, Not a bad looking chart though. No, I know, but that's, uh, I mean, you, you, you come back another time and it looks it looks the opposite. And that's the problem with, with the smaller caps. For me, it's absolutely not to my appetite. Um, I would suggest anyone playing this stock does it with very little money and and have some fun basically or takes a really really long-term view has all confidence in management and an iron stomach for volatility which will come at some stage you only have to look at that share price to see that volatility and this type of stock that's just that just Mm. goes hand in hand well, one small cap on the list couldn't get any love from Rudy. No big surprise, to be honest, in that space. <laughs> Let's find out what Daniel Ortiz 
from the stock doctor thinks about Clarity Pharmaceuticals CLCU6. Apologies. Yeah, so we're similar in terms of kind of our investment preference. You know, we typically don't like these little um, pre-revenue R&D biotech companies, but, you know, you've got to admit there are probably some interesting um, aspects to this company. I think the share price reflects some success in trials recently. And, um, you know, we've, we've actually seen similar companies, probably Tealix is, is the most obvious one with a similar sort of product. So obviously, you know, I'm not a specialist in this space, but radio pharmaceutical products, it's it's the type of thing where you inject or you, you um orally have a tablet and it highlights via radiation tumors and cancer cells of the sort so it's more of a detection type of drug um and you know potentially from from their website and from their releases it looks like they're trying to get into the therapy side as well which is just really difficult so obviously the upside here is if that goes well you know just have a look at telix and the success they're having and the type of order flow they've had since the product went to market you know you're talking about 100 million dollars within the first few quarters uh, in revenue so upside here is obviously immense you know, and you can see those examples. Neuron is another one, a recent success story. And the fact that they have about 60 mil cash in the bank is a, is a big positive because, you know, you're probably not going to fare too well trying to raise in this environment. So if you're in it and you know the story well and you're confident with the management team, you can certainly continue to follow this one. You know, we, we would probably be harsher on a few more of the ones with only a few million dollars in the bank um, that need to raise capital. But certainly, you know, it's it's for a specific type of investor. Like Rudy said, you want to be betting small in these types of things. And if it wins big, um, you ride that up. And if it loses, then you don't lose too much. Mm. All right. So it comes down to investment strategy, risk versus reward as well. It's not always about a good story and don't forget everybody out there listening or watching this is not investment advice this is information only you need to take into consideration your own financial circumstances and also do your own research or get advice if you need it okay now we get into the bigger end of town don't we and this has come from will but if i'm honest um we get a lot of uh, requests to talk about csl guys we just can't do all of these blue chip stocks every day uh, so CSL, uh, one, oh, sorry, 268.41 is the going price on offer. Daniel, are you a buyer? Yeah, look, we like CSL and we took the recent kind of downgrade or at least I would say um, missed expectations and guidance as an opportunity to, to continue to hold and continue to buy as well. So, you know, obviously the, the, the key issue um, with that update was one, everyone knows that the, the foreign currency translation means on an underlying basis that the loss, uh, the profits were not as high as expected, but those come those come and go, the currencies fluctuate. So we're not too concerned, but the margin profile. So, you know, actually a similar story to ResMed People were expecting a faster recovery to pre-COVID margins um, in the IG segment, and, and it's just going to take a lot longer than probably initially expected. That's why there's a bit of an overhang on the stock. Um, but overall, you look at what management reported at their recent result and some of the plans they have to improve plasma yields going forward. You know, it looks like they're quite confident in that margin recovery. So, you know, obviously, it's the type of company that you know you, you don't want to be very picky on the valuation. You don't get many opportunities to buy company like company like these at reasonable prices. So we're very happy to, to continue to whack a buy rating on it. Um, going forward, I think it's one of the few companies on the ASX, especially in the large caps, that are probably expected to grow earnings over the next few years. You know, most of them are in that cyclical space, um, which are probably experience a peak of earnings. So I think that positions CSL um, really well going forward. 
That's a buy at this price. Are you a buyer of CSL at this price, Rudy? Well, no, but that's because it already is the largest holding in my portfolio. Okay. So, but otherwise, I would be, yes. So you could buy now. Oh, definitely. For oh, def any other definitely. reasons. I mean, solid company, growth prospects going forward, everything good that, track record. Yeah, everything that uh, Danny just said. I mean, I always find that investors, they, they, it's, it's almost like going to the museum and you want, you, want to, you want to enjoy the art to its full extent. You don't just put your nose against the painting and try to figure out what the, I mean, you take a little bit of a distance and you look at it. The same as with, with a quality stock like CSL, you don't put your nose in a day-to-day -day movement. You take a little bit of a distance, you take a longer term view, you see how the share price has gone over the past three decades, essentially. And, and, and we have had a COVID interruption. Um, the one thing that maybe is, not, is worth pointing out here is that, and Daniel uh, pointed out as well, the profit warning they had to give was actually not their fault. It was basically the analysts having too rosy expectations regarding the, the margin. And they, had to, they were aware of that. They had to pair that back, which then led to disappointment, which is essentially not of their making. But irrespective, or should I say irregardless, um, would be the, the outlook for CSL has, has not really changed, uh, not fundamentally. Um, so I think you just have to be patient. And you know what? With all great quality stories on the share market. Um, if you're patient long enough, it'll, it'll pay off in, in a positive sense. Rudy, a renaissance man, comparing <laughs> CSL to art. I love it. Impressionism, I should say. Um, all right, let's get to the next on the list. And this is, again, in the big end of town, one of the big four banks. This is the third stop, and it's been picked by Tim. Hey, Tim, hope you're listening in. Um, look, I was just reading a note by Goldman Sachs saying that the mix in the business could drive further upside to the Insto and group profitability. It's got a buy on ANZ. It's in the wake of this um, payments investor briefing that has caused a lot of uh, analysts to sort of take another look at ANZ. Um, are you buying the big four? No, no. Would A and Z be a and preferred if I, it, And if I were buying one, it would be, it would be a, well, it depends on how you define the sector. I'm still a big fan of Macquarie. I am a shareholder of Macquarie. That's big five. Uh, and that's then exactly, that's, that's the big five. Uh, if, you, if you limit to the big four, uh, I would almost by definition always be buying uh, Commonwealth Bank. CBA, biggest. And, and, and that is not only the biggest, it is simply the best. I mean, and with thanks to Tina Turner, but uh, it's, it simply is. And if you take a long-term view again, on the short-term analysts or stockbrokers, fund managers, they will always go for the cheaper one, the, the longest, uh, the highest dividend yields. Uh, at this point in time, the cheapest one is, is, is Westpac. But the problem is that over the long run, the cheapest one never generates the best returns. And it's always Commonwealth Bank that, adds, uh, that basically outperforms the sector. If you go back to pre-GFC, the only, the only share price in that sector that is today is higher than pre-GFC is Commonwealth banks. And so the conclusion is that the golden era of the banks, that ended about, a set, about 10 years ago. And uh, the only one that has performed in the new era is Commonwealth Bank. And I know people always get upset about it. It's, it's more expensive, it's, it's, uh, it's lower yields, but you know what? It's the best performance. So it's a hold for ANZ or would you sell and reallocate to I'm guessing, CBA? I'm guessing that people who, who own it, they own it for the dividends and it's not too bad as a, as a play. But um, I just, before I came in, I just saw someone tweeting 
some rules from, from some famous investor uh, overseas. And rule number three was the dividend yield is the least element you should pay attention to. And I, I tried telling that. Aussie shareholders that. I know, fully I know, but I, but I, but I can see it as a legacy from the previous '90s and and the early uh, teens in in this this millennium, because the banks were growing 20% a year, dividends were going up, franking, blah blah. blah it, it becomes a really big portfolio. But in this in this era of lower growth and many industry challenges. I think you have you have better because you, you need to look at total rev, total return, you know I mean? and high dividends often doesn't correspond with high return. So I'm not a big fan of 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 the big four. I can see the attraction, but on the basis of the yield and and yes, they don't go out of business, all of that. So I would say it's it's a hold at best. But there are better alternatives out there. You're not going to go sell, okay? All right, let's see what Daniel says about ANZ. What would you tell Tim about? I don't know if Tim is already holding it. Uh, you know, viewers, if you'd like to give us some more information, you're always welcome to, you know, whether you already have it, you just want to know if you should keep holding or, or uh, to buy at these levels. What, what do you think about ANZ? Yeah, so yeah, perhaps not as a, a romantic story as CSL um, that that really really likes, but it, I think there is still some really great qualities with ANZ. And um, you know, you, you point out originally, Nadine, that the institutional side of their business, because they are, you know, outside of mortgages, institutional banking is probably their, you know, their, their second string. Whereas you know, you look at NAB, it's more of a, a consumer-based lending or um, you look at you look at the other banks that have a bit of a difference in their second tier offering but yeah ANZ it is about that institutional base and you actually have seen a drive in earnings there and that's obviously driven a lot by what's happened in institutional markets so you've obviously got increasing spreads increasing volumes and and um, demand in, in credit markets as well and they've been a beneficiary of that so you know I, I think there's probably a little bit unloved from that point of view but on the flip side you have the transaction with Suncorp Bank which is probably just weighing on sentiment a little bit they've agreed um, in essence, to pay 1.3 times book value, so they're paying a premium for it. Um, obviously, they need to get that appealed through the through the um, through the courts and see whether that goes through or not. Uh, but that's probably a little bit of a, a sentiment change just on the stock there. So that's probably the key thing we'd be cautious of. Other than that, similar to Rudy, we, we hold the stock and um, we're happy to hold it. It's in our income portfolio. Um, it's about a six and a half percent yield. If you gross that up, it's it's over nine percent, depending on 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 how attractive you think the franking credit. Are, um, but overall within this sector, you know the big four are certainly well uh, well positioned relative to the regionals. I think the regionals are going to be the ones that will struggle with the uh, rising funding costs because they simply don't have the same level of depositor mix at all. So that will be the one where we're you know happy to trim, we're happy to sell, and we've done that. But the big four, I think there's still reason to hold them here. Thank you. All right, Daniel, thanks for that. Let's get to Telstra. Just reading some research from Morningstar saying that, you know, both telcos, Telstra and TPG, really did benefit from stronger mobile pricing in their most recent results, um, saying that Telstra's decision to retain ownership of Infocro was a bit of Infraco was a bit of a disappointment to the market, but um, you know that's uh, up to the company. And then late last week, we had Telstra looking to make an acquisition as well. I forget the name of the company, um, but do you like the moves that are being made by Telstra in this environment, Daniel? While they do have, you know, pricing power, they are still, you know, forefront when it comes to the mind of many Australians in the telco space. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, the, the report was roughly in line with expectations, but like you said, the decision not to proceed in an immediate stance with the infracro uh, divestment, even a partial divestment, was probably a bit disappointing from the market's point of view because the last few years, you know, asset sales and realizations across telcos as a sector as a whole has been a huge um, has been a huge tailwind behind them, you know, particularly when you saw interest rates fall, you know, pension funds and, and global funds of the like were really happy to pay a higher price for those assets. Um, and similar with Telstra, you know, they've obviously had some asset realizations over the past few years, which has benefited them. But, you know, I think this is a bit more of a complex issue. You know, those assets um, are obviously part of Telstra's competitive advantage, the fact that it owns a significant part of its network and has control over that. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the lifeblood of the business. In terms of its earnings, it's, it's difficult from here on now because you've had, you know, a, a return from uh, roaming, which has been an earnings driver, a bit of a free kick for them, and mobile pricing, which has been another free kick for them. But it's starting to see that competitive pressures or at least pricing pressures um, could weigh a little bit on net subscriptions um, going forward. So it's a bit of a, a difficult balancing act. I think the share price re-rate has probably been fair given those challenges. But again, you know, if you're going to hold a stock in this space, yeah, I think it'd be hard to go past Telstra. Um, Aussie Broadband is probably the next most attractive opportunity because they have a very different kind of a business model and strategy to the big two. Um, but outside of those, I think it's I think it's hard to okay, find so value in this space. Today, would you buy, hold, or sell Telstra, Daniel? Yeah, look, we're happy to hold and we do hold it as well. Um, I think at these levels, it's very reasonable. And ABB, because that's a bit of a market darling. Uh, Yesterday, I noticed the share price was up pretty strongly. Um, So ABB, I mean, is that a buy for you you, or do you already hold it? Yeah, we don't hold it. I mean, I was I was fighting to get it in the portfolio, but it was unsuccessful. Uh, but it's hopefully one that that I win win the story against one day if it continues to perform well. But I think the valuation right now is actually quite fair and reasonable. I think Aussie Broadband, you probably get a bit more of an opportunity to buy it lower. It's a little bit more volatile than Telstra. Yeah, I got it. Thank you. All right, Rudy, Telstra. Don't, don't oh. you like the euphemisms? A little bo- a bit more volatile. A whole lot more volatile <laughs> yeah. is, is, the, is the solution. Um, I actually like... Uh, Aussie broadband as well, um, but I do like Telstra definitely at this level. Um, I think what it, what has happened is um, a lot of people got on board on the expectation they would they would uh, sell assets. Well, they sell they sold the first tranche of assets, and it's also the reason why I got on board. By the way, two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that they all of a sudden go like, oh well, what we sold that's that's gone, but what we now still have, we're going to keep that. I think that's the reason why the share prices is, is, I think, fund managers have gone out because that was the key reason why mm-hmm. they were, were in the stock in the first place. So I think when that happens, there's the chance for other investors who might um, eye the stock for different reasons. And, and one of the reasons that a lot of people have missed is that the fortunes of Telstra have actually improved over the past two years. And, and, and we've, we've come out of years of that they constantly had to cut their dividends and and it got cut quite cut quite savagely. From memory, they they cut the dividends in half. Um, and now all of a sudden they are increasing their dividends. And, and the last increase was actually a surprise. And the forecasts now are that we will see increases uh, in the years ahead, not massively, but just the fact that those dividends are more likely to increase now than to decrease. I think should ultimately uh, translate into a, into a positive share price response. Mm-hmm. So while we now have disappointment, 
uh, this asset sales not going through, I think that's an opportunity. And below $4, I would say it's a buy. There you go. Buy and a hold for Telstra. WiseTech. Well, today's a bit of an awkward day to be talking about WiseTech, isn't it? We've got the uh, tech center, sector here locally really taking it on the nose. In fact, overall, tech stocks are down by about 2%. However, WiseTech is the request by Carlos. Thanks for watching. And year to date, Rudy, WiseTech is up by 36%. So one... And, and, and that is including the punishment they receive yeah. in reporting season. Yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at the chart now. So uh, it, it's hard. It, how do you talk about value or valuation in terms of WiseTech when you consider its future prospects? Bond yields. So when I'm alone, I'm, I'm a shareholder in WiseTech. But yep. I, I, I am not at full allocation. Um, because uh, bond yields. Yeah. So the difficulty with, with these, these high growth, high quality, high growth stocks is that uh, try to get on board. Um, they, they usually sell off very, very rarely. Uh, you can make comparisons with Promedicus, for example, and, 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 and a few other ones. Um, so you have to grab your opportunities. The, the, the problem often is that when they do sell off, um, they do sell off further than you think they will. And in this case, obviously, we had, we had, we had to have the, the margin reset, which is almost similar to what happened to CSL. Um, not necessarily the company's mistake. It's just that analysts uh, casually assumed that those margins would be reinstated in very quick fashion. And the company had to say, like, listen, guys, it's going to take a little bit longer than that. For a high growth stock on high multiples, that's that's a big that's a big thing. That's everyone who knows a little bit about mathematics uh, can easily shave off twenty five percent of the share price, <laughs> and that's sort of the stuff that you that you see happening then. But I think throughout the turbulence, I think you can't deny that this is one of the prime growth companies on the stock exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 getting into quite quite a large gap, and the, the long and the short of it is is that the customers who sign up to their platform ultimately develop a competitive advantage in the sector. Which sort of makes you think, but well, why are the other ones still not on board? Why are the, what are they waiting for? Yeah? And, but it also, in the same respect, it means that, um, that the, the prospects keep, keep, on, keep on improving. I mean, and, and their customers will acquire other people or other companies in the sector and basically bring on board more revenue for the company. So you can see that that circle just going on for quite a while, and that's even not taking into account that they will acquire other companies and they will develop mm-hmm. more products and you name it. Where will this story end? Nobody knows, but it's probably not tomorrow, it's probably not next year. So I think similar to REA Group, ProMedicus, and, and a number of other ones, you just get on board and you just ride, ride the, the momentum. At this point in time, which is always a risk for that sector, bond yields are rising, mm-hmm. evaluations come under pressure. Um, very simplistic uh, response, bond yields will not rise forever and ever, but they can, of course, mm-hmm. uh, cause more mayhem in the year. You just have to take that on board, I think. So buy just, yeah, on get, a day like and, today, and a get down on board day. whenever you feel comfortable that Long-term they're falling deeply enough. Exactly. Well, Daniel, do you have a long-term view on WiseTech Global? And just in keeping with the you know, sentiment of this particular program today, buy, hold, or sell. Give us your view. 
Yeah, I think it's a, a buying opportunity as well. You know, we've been in, in Wise Tech, I think, since about 2017 on and off. It's a great business. You know, there's been times over that period where the business model has been questioned. There's been short reports um, about the acquisition strategy. And like Rudy said, the reason why expectations were missed is because they're acquiring these businesses, which have very different margin profiles, but they're not acquiring them for, for earnings add-ons. They're acquiring them for either software that they have or customers that they have that they want to merge onto CargoWise. So, you know, it, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, a difference and a, and a gamble between, I guess, the short term and the long term investors in the stock. But you know, our view, there's only a very small amount of companies on the ASX which are really high quality growth com- growth companies that you can actually hold and be quite comfortable with. Um, and and this is certainly one of them. So we're happy to be in it. Pullback is probably a, an opportunity. It was getting a little bit silly there in terms of um, the, the the share price appreciation during the year, but we think it's back to more reasonable levels. So it's a buy. It is a double buy for WiseTech. I'm pretty sure it's in the portfolio already, but uh, nice to get there at the halfway mark here, guys. So let me just sum up what we have learned. Monadelphus, uh, look, both of my guests would hold it. In Rudy's view, it's in the right space for the right time of the cycle. But um, look, he says that uh, you know there could probably be some more upside potentially in some of the smaller end of the market or other names. Seven Group, Worley are a couple that Rudy dropped. And uh, XRF Scientific is one that Daniel dropped. Again, he sees that the major contracts you know, will do well over the next year or two, but he does think that there's better opportunities in the space, that a lot of the good news is in the price. Clarity Pharmaceuticals, and it's an avoid for both of my guests. It's a specy buy at Bell Potter. Rudy says that sums it all nicely. Both of them mentioned, I wrote down the word betting uh, from Daniel, playing from Rudy. So you need to factor in your risk versus reward scenario. But both say if you were doing any of the aforementioned verbs, you want to be very careful with some small money in it. Stands in contrast to CSL because this is just non-cyclical, solid company, growth prospects. It's a buy from both of my guests. ANZ though, it's a hold for Daniel. He says that there are some really great quality things uh, about ANZ, and they do hold it in the portfolio there. So hold for him. And it's a hold for Rudy, but he says at best. Um, other opportunities are better out there in the market in general. Um, he sees says that cheap is not necessarily the best. He is a buy, though, on Macquarie. Consider that a bonus buy. And Telstra, both guys like a BB, so Aussie Broadband. Um, however, uh, Rudy also likes Telstra, it's a buy for him. Um, look, he says that it's actually a company that's improved its profile over the past couple of years, and he reckons it's not a bad price now either. It's just a hold for Daniel, um, but he does give it a tick for its asset realization program over the past few years. And then that got to WiseTech and a double buy from both of my guests, and you've just heard why. So uh, you know the rules, two buys gets put to the investment committee, two sells, and if it's in the portfolio, they consider taking it out. Going into September, we took out Paradigm Pharmaceuticals to make some room for Challenger, which also got a bit of love from trims we made in Altium as well as Paladin. Of course, CSL's already in the portfolio, so that double buy, and WiseTech is as well. I thought it was, but sometimes I doubt myself. Uh, How's the portfolio performing? So it's up by 11% on a cumulative return basis since March of 2022. So please do keep these questions coming in and we'll keep doing this program each and every weekday for you.
The next companies we will be discussing, QBE Insurance, REA already got a name drop, Zero, Talking Tech again, we've got Cochlear as well, and Computer Share. Okay, so QBA, QBE, apologies, has been picked by Ryan. So Daniel Insurance, it's an interesting one. It's been benefiting from the uh, rising interest rate environment. Also pricing power premiums are rising in case you hadn't checked your insurance lately or had to redo it. Um, so QBE, how long can the party last? Yeah, certainly as long as there's inflationary pressures, you'll continue to see uh, these increase in premium rates. But like you've mentioned, it's also the increase in the cash rate or the interest rates that are improving um, yields on their investment books, which is a huge kind of free kick for them in terms of profits. Now, of course, if, if the yields go the other way, you have to factor that into your, your time period that you'd like to hold this stock. I think for us, the bottom line is... We, you know, when we think about the broader spectrum of financials, we'd much rather be invested in insurance than the traditional big four banks. I think the outlook is a lot more positive on them because you've actually got demand growth. And obviously, you know, it's insurance is a, is a need. Um, you know, it's, it's something that will continue to grow and the pricing power is probably a little bit more sticky than, say, what banks are with net interest margins. So we like the sector. But in terms of QBA itself, you know, you just have to understand that it's probably one of the more, not necessarily risky, but certainly operationally complex like they have a, a big global presence and some of the things that they insure are quite complex and um, you know they've had issues in the past with um, recoveries and, and, and disaster claims as a whole and if we look at the biggest issue right now for insurers is, is reinsurance costs so they're expecting reinsurance costs to go up 20 percent um, year on year that's a massive increase and you know it's, it's actually making them hold a bit more capital on the balance sheet and when we talk about dividends um, just got the figures here I think they paid you know, a nine cent dividend or 14 cent dividend when the market was expecting like 23 cents. And you saw a similar thematic with Suncorp. So they're clearly having to hold more capital on the balance sheet. They're concerned about disaster claims. And that's why I think you probably get a bit more value out of the brokers here. Um, so in that case, if you're holding the stock, it's probably enough there to hold it. But in terms of a preference, it would certainly be more in the broker space. Like the AUBs of the world. Yeah. Steadfast. Yeah. Steadfast. Yeah. Do you like Steadfast? Yeah. Oh, we like AUB. Like... We think it's a. I think yes, it's so. a. It probably doesn't have some of the acquisition risks that Steadfast have. They've been pointing out that they want to make a large acquisition in the US. You know, we probably think now's not the now's not the time to be doing that. So we we have a preference for AUB. Really, what do you think about that, Steadfast? Because, because AUB is acquiring in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a funny thing, an acquisition. Anyway, uh, to my well, I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm obviously a little bit surprised, uh, Danny. So basically, says the same thing as as, um, as as I would say. To my surprise, which I've observed is that there's actually a general trend now amongst fund managers as well that they have basically moved out of the banks. Not that they've sold completely, but they've they've lightened up their exposure to banks and have basically moved more into insurance. Mm -hmm. And that's not on the eternal view because we. I always smile a little bit when people go defensive. Um, you just have to look at the history of QBE and to see how defensive that actually is. It's very cyclical, that's no, yeah. but, but again, similar with Monodelphus, at this point in time, this, this, the cycle is in their favor. Yeah. So those dividends look, 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 even though they're disappointed in August, but the, the dividends, the profits, the margins, it all, it all looks on the improve. The whole thing with, with QBE is, of course, that you have to set aside the history because they've so disappointed so many times. They finally stopped 
issuing major disappointments, and that has sort of created a sense of optimism now. The one thing we should keep in mind here is that we, we might go into an El Nino phase. And for Australia, I mean, I know these guys operate um, globally, mm-hmm. but for Australia that means we might have a, an above average uh, warm and dry period. Historically that means that it, it, it works in their favor. There's, there's less claims for them. So a recent report by Morgan Stanley suggested that in particular QBE might actually be re-rated in a positive sense because they might actually be over-earning for, for two years or so, which then pushes up the share price to much higher higher level and stuff. So there's, there's more happening in that sector in general. You also have Suncorp, which is cheap because the market is very skeptical about what's going to happen with the bank. And then you have the eternal uh, laggard uh, Insurance Australia group, you know what I mean? up, up, the, up day and then down day the next. Mm-hmm. But I agree in, in general terms with the, um, with the suggestion made. I too am, am, a, am a more of a big fan of uh, owning the picks and shovel providers. Okay. And in this case, that is uh, Steadfast, AUB and, um, and the third one in the sector. Which is? PSI. PSI, that's right. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. All right, REA Group. So, if I just look at what the brokers are saying, I've just got my Fenarina open, Rudy. Um, you know, we've got an upgrade to neutral from underperform in the wake of the results coming through. Um, that was from Macquarie. Morgan Stanley upgrade to overweight from equal weight. They, they all that's, look pretty that's, neutral. That, that's the one to pay attention to. $200 okay. price target, Morgan Stanley. Why? Um, because they think the, 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 the sector is, is yet missing, that the, the price increases that will come through will now combine with, uh, with higher volume. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's definitely had my attention. I mean, we, Broker we, believes, here's the quote, thanks FN Arena, that the market spends too much time debating volumes and it is pricing power which is more critical. And I, 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 would, I would agree. The mistake I've made myself is that you think like, oh, the housing market is, is, is probably going to be hit by RBA rate increases. And then it turns out that REA is so strong in that sector, it, it, it just shrugs its shoulders and moves on. Um, in general terms, I would say, I mean, there's always a discussion on the, on the stock exchange, which is the, the highest quality stock that we have. And I knew though that a lot of people always point towards CSL, but there's a, there is a fair uh, argument to be made that it's if it's not CSL, it's definitely REA Corp. Mm-hmm. And, and if you ever want to see what, what quality does, just just take a 20-year view on that chart. Post-GFC, it's absolutely enormous. We can do five years. In fact, we can do yeah. eight, but not 20. So okay. there you go. <laughs> just go back to the GFC and uh, and, I mean, and all those all those pullbacks here, they just disappear because it becomes just one, one uptrending line. I mean, but in, would in you buy general, it today, in, Rudy? In general terms, um, it's the same as with Promedicus, uh, the same as with car sales, the same as with uh, some of the other stocks we've discussed. You have to pick your point when it pulls back and how long is a piece of string? I mean, it's, it's almost like you just have to get on board. These are quality companies. They will generate returns in the long run, even after this one has already doubled. I'm feeling a buy months. coming on. Uh, well, at the very least, it's a hold here. At the very least, if you believe if you put, he likes it at the very least. If you put, he? if you put very, if you put your faith in research done by Morgan Stanley, you buy today with your ears spin back. 
Interesting. All right. It is a hold at the very least. It was veering on a buy, if you ask me. Daniel, this is for Lucas. He wants to know about REA. What do you make of REA, one of the highest quality companies on the ASX, according to you two? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, it, it goes to show Stock Doctor have been around for a long time. I just had a look. We first flagged this stock in 2005. So it, it actually goes back to the message that Rudy and I were talking about with WiseTech. You know, you, you want to be in these businesses with obviously a very long-term view because there's so few of these high-quality companies out there. And, you know, when, when we were at peak pessimism for the stock, the issue was our listing volumes are falling off a cliff. They're going to have rising operating costs, negative um, margin margins there. Will, will impact it even further and you know that just hasn't happened because they have such control over the cost base they have such control over the yields they charge on their platforms and pushing for the more premium packages uh, to real estate agents that you know they've just outperformed um you know pretty much across the board so like rudy said when you have those price increases come through they tend to be sticky um and they obviously benefit from the fact that you know pr- uh, housing prices in australia have just continued to stay you know elevated as well and that means that the prices that you're charging for the platform, you know, they're still extremely affordable when you consider that the value that the houses are being sold for. So, yeah, very similar comments to Rudy. You know, we'd probably be more a hold here as well um, because, you know, obviously, like like we've pointed out, you do get opportunities to buy them. That's when you want to be aggressive with these types of stocks. Okay, so that was a hold? Yep, hold. Got it. All right, let's get to zero. So do you feel, uh, Daniel, any differently about... Zero, is it as high quality as we were once talking about it being? There's, you know, a UK strategy that's being rolled out. Does it have pricing power? Will it impact the business? This is a question for Arian. Yeah, so I think Zero, it's, it's almost a tale of, of two halves, really. They have the Australian business or the ANZ business and then the international side. And ANZ, you know, that, that that's always had fantastic metrics. You know, you look at one metric a lot of soft companies, software companies put out there is lifetime value to acquisition costs. And they have, you know, a 14 times return on acquisition costs. So it's it's an incredible business in the ANZ, very sticky churn, less than 1%. It's the type of company we love. But, you know, they've just struggled with, with investing so much in international expansion and probably hasn't had the growth and the take up and the and the return efficiency that they would have wanted now obviously with the new change in ceo and strategy you know we probably thought that that was you know, um, you know a, an opportunity to get back in the stock because returns from here will look a, a lot better and the fact that you know they're, they're not as keen on making those um, add-on acquisitions that they have in the past and which now you know mostly they've written off um, is a positive point from our view so we actually recently re-entered the stock um, around these price levels so we're happy to call it a buy we think that there's a, a lot of positives um, aspects in this company and you know I think subscriber growth certainly will slow down That's that's one thing to be aware of, um, but similar to REA, prices will, will continue to go up, not to the same extent. They don't have the same control over the prices as REA, um, but when you think about the average cost per month at zero charges, you know, it's, it's very, very small mm-hmm. relative to some of the sizes of the businesses that, that they serve, so okay. we certainly think that's a thematic to come. Okay, zero. Buy, hold, sell, Rudy. It's buy. Buy. Um, and I have to correct Daniel a little bit. Um, it's not that they're number two in the UK, so it's not that the international operations have disappointed. It's just that the, the dynamics in the US are different, and that's where they find it more difficult to uh, to make. But otherwise, um, I mean, again, the discussion: which which one is the best technology stock we have? Is it zero, or is it Wisetag, or is it Technology One? Yeah. It's a big one. 
big choices to make, this might well be the number one. Okay. All right. Thank you. Let's get to number nine on the list, Cochlear. Cochlear impressed with its result. It is again a stalwart of the Aussie healthcare space. The sector overall has been coming under pressure. So again, uh, this one's for Jamie. Cochlear, is this a buy? Put it in the bottom drawer, hold on to it, or is there some other dynamic that you think of, Daniel, when you're considering Cochlear? Uh, look, very similar comments to what, what we've just made previously, but I think the difference with Cochlear is that you know, they have a product that probably has, um, you know, I would say less competition. There are competing products now on the market, but when they first developed the Cochlear implant, you know, it was, it was the first of their kind. Um, so, you know, they're very unique in the space. They have 60% global market share. Um, and similar to ResMed, when you have that growing installed base, it, it you know, these are customers for life. They're surgically implanted in them. Um, they'll continue to provide revenue over the years, which at a very high margin, you know, software upgrades and 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 accessories in the sort. So, yeah, I, I think Cochlear is a standout business, even at these levels. I actually think it's a buy. Really? Um, because they've flagged um, they've flagged volume growth to continue to be higher than expected. Now, as I just mentioned, it's a bit of that flywheel. Volume growth is higher. It leads to higher sales in accessories and software and, and the sort going forward. So probably one of the candidates um, for an upgrade. And specifically in emerging markets, they're, they're starting to really get off the ground there as well, which is probably not as much factored into the price. So I think we're quite happy to call this one a buy. Thank you. All right. Buy for Cochlear okay, even at this it. price? I know. It's Morgan Stanley no, says no, Leighton. I'm a little bit surprised, yeah. but um, I, I would be a little bit more cautious. But uh, on, the, on with the comment that cochlear is notoriously difficult to uh, to put a valuation on and to um, and to enter because um, historically it almost always trades at a significant premium, um, and you definitely don't want to don't want to put the question to your typical value investor because they could probably come up with half the share price or something along those lines. Um, so it's it's funny we have the, we have, we have a general theme here today with the stocks we have. In a sense, it's not it's not similar to a Wisetech or a CSL. Or you have to pick your level, and just the main. You can never count on the fact that these guys are trading on what is generally considered a cheap valuation. Because if it does, these guys are in deep trouble. Right? It happened once when they had a product recall, yeah, and that was very traumatic for everyone, of course. Mm -hmm. But and maybe outside of a GFC or so, or of a, um, a pandemic year in 2020. That, that share price is always at a premium. You just have to pick. You just have to pick your level and just be comfortable with it. There you go. That's a hold or a buy yeah, for you. It's a hold. hold. At this it's level, I would go more you go for a hold. Cautious. And then you hope that the 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 rising bond yields depress the share price. You can get in at a cheaper level. Well, rising bond yields. We know what that does to tech. Computer share, though, is another one of those companies that benefits when they, interest they rates benefit, rise. Yes. Yeah. So, um, if rates remain higher for longer, yes. is the future bright for com for computer share? That's the next on the list, by the way. Well, at some stage, that effect loses its its glamour. I mean, it's the the biggest effect is when you move from virtually making no return on your cash to a reasonable return, so you get a big kicker in your in your in your earnings growth. Um, when it stays high, then it's nice; you still get your return, but the, the, the but the growth is no longer there. Uh, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. so it, the effect will go go out the window for computer share. I think computer share has has problems. 
Um, I remember coming to, to Australia 23 years ago, and this was one of the uh, champion stocks in, in, the, in the global tech revolution we had in those days. Uh, these guys basically took um, shareholder registry the world around, they're the number one in the world. They've since gone into mortgages in the, in the US and in the UK, then, then they're selling that again. Um, to me, it's more of a wishy-washy. Uh, story. I mean, they're, they're doing okay, but talk to anyone who's a shareholder in companies, and they have to they have to use these registries. Mm -hmm. They're complaining from 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 the beginning of the year to the end of the year. So it's not high tech. It's just a simple the fact that they, I mean they're, they're the number one, and they by default uh, get get revenue. But it doesn't get me excited anymore. Fifteen years ago, maybe today. Not anymore. So is that a sell if you've got sitting yeah, on profits? Yeah, I, I think you, I, I, I actually think you, you, I wouldn't be there. Yes, I would, I would, I would seek out better. That's a sell. Then if you're in it, it's an avoid. If you're not in it, yes. Daniel, what's your view on computer share? This is for Emmett. Yeah, so I would agree that you probably shouldn't classify it as a tech stock. It's probably more in, in diversified financials. And the reason why is that the majority, the vast majority of its earnings are tied to the, the margin income it makes on the on the client cash balances mm -hmm. through all their transactions and, and equity services and, and, and all the sorts. So, yeah, like Rudy pointed out, they actually acquired um, the Wells Fargo Corporate Trust um, a few years ago at really cheap price when you look back at it now. Um, and that's a huge kind of issue in, in mortgage and back security securities things in the US. So that um, cash balance that's sitting in all those accounts um, through those issuer services now charges a margin on. Um, and that's where all the, the increase in revenue is, has come from. And that's why the share price has performed well in a rising interest rate environment. So for this stock, you know, I would say your investment thesis completely surrounds, you know, what you think interest rates are going to do. If you think rates are going down, then you absolutely sell this stock because it's very leveraged. Um, to the margin income. To put it into perspective, I think at the trough uh, of interest rates, they probably earn like $50 million a half in margin income, where you know, you're know you expecting now at, at these rates about $400 million a half. So you know, $800 million annually, it's a huge uh, jump. And that's why if you think you know inflation's peaking and we're gonna see rate cuts next year, then you're probably gonna sell this stock. Okay, that's a double sell. Interesting, thanks guys. Hey, I'll just quickly, quickly review what we've learned. So far this half, QBE, it's a hold for both of my guests. Um, both of them like the brokers, so the picks and shovels, so to speak, of the business. Uh, REA Group, it's a buy for Rudy. He really likes, he says it's one of the highest quality companies on the ASX. Um, Daniel agrees, but he's a hold. Um, he's a hold on it at its current price. Both of my guests think that you could buy zero right now though. And Cochlear, it's a buy for Daniel. It's a hold for Rudy just again because of valuation. But he again says quality company. You've got to pick your level to enter into some of these long-term holds because there is growth in the future profile going forward. CPU, it's a sell for both of my guests. So they're not really seeing this along the same lines as a lot of the other quality companies. In fact, you just heard Daniel say he doesn't really consider it a tech stock anyways, more of a diversified financial. So if you own it, sell it. If you're not in it, avoid it. I think that's a way to finish the program. Hey, Daniel, really nice of you to join us from Melbourne, from the Stock Doctor. Always nice to see you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, you too. It was a great episode. Very fun to be on with Rudy. I've got to come back yeah. on with him again. Yeah, you guys had a good little vibe going on. I enjoyed it myself. We'll see you soon. And Rudy Philippe Van Dyke. 
No doubt we'll see you around the track. Now, now I feel I have to say I love Daniel. Yeah, I you love do love Daniel. Who love doesn't him. love Daniel, though? <laughs> Daniel's, I'm just going to invite him down and visit us in Sydney one time as well. Daniel, make note. And uh, just you heard me reference that Gold Rush a virtual event that we're doing tomorrow at 11 a.m. You can register free, of course. You're welcome. Ausbiz.co forward slash Gold Rush. If you register, even if you can't watch it live, of course, we send you a link to catch up in your own time. It's how we operate around here. You can catch up with this program online or in podcast form as well if you missed anything. Any stocks you'd like us to cover, please do send them to us. Ausbiz.co forward slash call picks and we will be checking in on what the market is doing at 1 p.m local time here in sydney on this wednesday but you've got to come back the other side of this break